Isn't it so good to be in church together this morning? It is so good to be in the house of the Lord. Oh, I love his house and his temple and his sanctuary. Um, I wanted to talk with you this morning about some of the things we've already been on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you can go ahead and turn there. And like Jeremy said, you know, first of all, God will put a dream in your heart. And until you begin to step out by faith and start to walk it out, you will remain unsatisfied in life. And a lot of people don't want to hear that, don't want to think about that. But if you've ever been really bored in life, it's usually a sign that there's more that God has more for you, that he has more ahead of you. He's wanting you to seek him about what those things are that he's called you to do in the body. And um, we've been in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So I just want to read to you, first of all, this scripture. And, um, you know, uh, let's see here. Verse 2. 20, it says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And as I studied on this, I thought about the Corinthian church. And if you read all about them, you'll see that they were one of the, I guess you could say most unspiritual churches in the New Testament. And we think of the Ephesians and we think of all the revelation that came there. Think about how much is in First and Second Corinthians. It's so wonderful. Um, but Paul actually, in this passage of scripture, he was having to address some problems that were happening in the Corinthian church. And oftentimes that's how we get the word of God in our life, well, these letters in the New Testament they were to address problems or they were to address ways to show us how to come up in our life with Christ. And so in this passage of scripture, he is addressing some specific problems happening in the Corinthian church. Now, just give you a little background on them. They were a very young church. We could say at this time, they were big babies. You knew what I was going to say, right? Big babies. And really, it's true. Spiritually, they were. They had only been Christians or had only been in this church, most of them, for about three years. And they didn't mostly grow up in Christian homes like so many of us have in here. Now, we're only a two-year-old church, right? And there may be some of us that have grown up in the Word of God, have grown up around the things of God, have had the Word put in us our whole life. But there's some areas that even as we've known God our whole life, that we still have to grow up in. And in this passage, he's speaking to them and he's addressing the problem of selfish ambition. He's dealing with a lot of people who are trying to have, uh, let's just say there's a lot of power struggles going on in the church. There's a lot of people that are getting into strife over the things listed in this chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And if you read this chapter, what an amazing chapter. Most of us have always known it as the, the chapter that highlights the gifts of the Spirit, the workings of the Holy Spirit. But if you look deeper into the chapter, you'll see what God is also talking about all the gifts that he's giving to man. Or uh, what's really what's supposed to be working in the body of Christ. And so many of these people, these Corinthian people, they were not finding and using their gifts in the body like God had called them to. And he was coming to talk to them very clearly, uh, to, to speak to them and to tell them, listen, it's important for you to use these gifts in the right way. And it's important for you to find your place in the body, your part. You are a part of the body of Christ. Does everybody in here realize that when you became born again and received Jesus into your heart, you became a part of the body and no one can ever really take you out of that body. You are an intricate part of the body of Christ. 
And our whole life long, we should be finding out what our part is. Desiring to step into that place and to do all we're called to do. Now, I'll tell you one of the biggest enemies to you doing what you are called to do and you fulfilling your ministry in this life and standing before the Lord someday and him saying, well done, good and faithful servant. One of the greatest enemies to you fulfilling your ministry is selfish ambition. The desire to live a self-seeking life. And this is the very nature of the flesh. You have flesh. I have flesh. We all have flesh. And no one arrives or becomes so spiritual that they never have to examine their heart, check their heart. And even if we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, in our spirit man, we still have to every day check to see if we're yielding to the spirit or we're yielding to the flesh. And in this passage of scripture, I love how he addresses some of these things. And he, you know, what they were doing in this church, they had let all the influences of the world around them in their Greek, um, the, the, the culture around them. They had let it infiltrate the church. And they had, they had let, you know, there's a lot of politics happening in the day, in that day. People were pressing and they were driven for place. They were working to, you know, they were, they were luring people to like them. They went around everywhere trying to get people to vote for them. What is this? This is political. And this is the same background in the word used uh, in the New Testament as strife or selfish ambition trying to find a place, trying to, to put yourself in a place uh, instead of letting God do it. And as we see here, if you look back just a couple of scriptures, it says this in uh, verse 18, now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. That's interesting. We don't set ourselves in the body where we want to be put. God sets us in the body where it pleases him. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? If there was just one of us doing our job, how can we accomplish everything in the kingdom that God has called us to accomplish? It's saying we can't. God needs all of us doing our part, finding out our place in the body and doing what he's called us to do. It says, but now indeed there are many members, yet one body. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified, and it says this in verse 21. This is so good. It says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. And so he's addressing this issue with people thinking too highly of themselves, thinking that they may be better than another part. And God is saying, No. Every part is equal in its function. Every part is special to me. Every part has value and is so intricate in the kingdom and fulfilling its role in the body of Christ. And he's saying, the eye cannot say to the, let's see here. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now you think about that. That's Jesus himself is the head. And he won't even say to the feet, the part that's the furthest down, the part that is thought of to be the least seen and the least appreciated, that's covered up with socks and shoes. He won't even say to that part, you, I have no need of you. You are a throwaway part. In God's kingdom, there is no throwaway part. And then it goes on to talk about all the wonderful things. I'm going to read this to you. Um, It says uh, in verse 22, 
No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker, they're necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given it greater honor to the part which lacks it. Now, so many people want to say, well, aren't, uh, you know, people that have been promoted, isn't that saying that they are better than another part? But the truth is, there is no part in the body of Christ that is better than another in function. There are parts that are greater than another in responsibility. And that's an important thing to think about when it comes to promotion. And as we know, it's not our place to push into a certain area or position because promotion doesn't come from people. Promotion comes from the Lord. And so if we think about how to please God in the function of this church and how things function and how things work and how things move and and flow, you know, there are so many wonderful things. If we will step into our place, we will do and accomplish our role in the kingdom, which Legacy Church has a special part in the body of Christ. We are not the whole body of Christ, but we are a part of the body and we have a place. And if we would come together and do what we're called to do, we will be very effective in the kingdom of God. And this says here, it says um, if in verse 20, let's see here. It goes, let's just say it goes on to tell all these wonderful things that God has appointed. It says that there should be, let's see, um, Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. I just want to talk about this for a second. There are fivefold ministry gifts that the Bible outlines in Ephesians chapter 4. And it's such a wonderful thing to see what God does and uses in these pulpit gifts to edify the body of Christ, to help the body of Christ grow up. And then there's also other gifts in the congregation. About seven of them are listed in the Bible. But these are also ministries that happen in the church that are critical to the body of Christ. Did you know we could not function if we only had teaching gifts in this church? If we only had pulpit gifts, we couldn't function. If we only had a helps ministry, but we didn't have the teaching gifts, we would not be everything we are called to be. We need all the gifts operating in all their places in order to do all we're called to do. Now, I know I keep saying that over and over and over again, but obviously we're just still getting it. We're getting it. But we, we as a body should value each gift in each other. Not think of ourselves as more important than the other. Be thankful for all the gifts that are surrounding us in every single area. And then it says that are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer is no. The answer is that we're called together for such a time as this, for a special assignment in this day. In this age, you know, there will never be another time like this ever in the history of, of, of creation. We are living in a special time and we should rise up, arise and shine for the glory of the Lord has risen on us. And we should rise up and do all that we're called to do in the body. And it says this, well, the answer was no to that. But then it says this, earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. How important is it that each one of us value each other in the body of Christ? How important is it for each one of us to love and to value the gifts that are in our brothers and sisters all around us. And you think about this, how important is it for you to magnify your office and do what you are called to do? Super important. And let me say it like this, I'll say the, the, another enemy to you fulfilling your ministry is insecurity. 
always thinking of yourself so low. Now, we're not talking about the kind of lowliness of humility and meekness. I'm talking about seeing yourselves as not a valuable part of the body. And I know at times, every one of us have been guilty of this. Anybody that's called in, you know why? I'll tell you this, because the enemy will come at you with this. He will come to you every day and try to make you feel small. He'll come at you and try to make you feel invaluable, insignificant. He starts this with our children. And he starts it when they're little. And you could be like at school one day. I remember being at school a little. And kids always just pick on each other. And they say rude things. And they don't know the love of God. Why? Because childish selfishness is all an indication of being a child. Selfishness, uh, uh, meanness, anything that's unkind, it is a proof that we have not matured in love. But the love of God is different. The love of God is mature. The love of God is patient and it's kind. And I was thinking about this with our kids. You know, when you're little, um, the enemy will just go use some other little kid's mouth to say something mean to you. And it'll try to stick with you for the rest of your life. Oh, you have a big nose. Or you have crazy hair. Or you're this, or you're that. It doesn't even matter what it is. The enemy tries to get in your head when you're five years old. And then your whole life long, until you break those cycles and the wrong thinking, but with the power of God, you think like that. You think about yourself in the light of what other people say until you start seeing yourself how God sees you. What I think is so cool about this Corinthian church is that Paul speaks to them in the very beginning of this whole chapter, and he says something really cool. I want to read this to you, and I just think it's great how he addresses them because you would think after all the ways they were sinning and the problems that they were causing that he would be hard on them, but you know what he said to them? It was so powerful. He says, for 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, he says, To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, church, you are saints. You are not who you're acting like. <laughs> he says, you are sanctified. That means set apart. That means you are holy before God, blameless before him in love. And then he says this, call to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, with both theirs and ours. He's saying to them, listen, I'm going to call you something that you're not acting like. He says, listen, you are sanctified. And you know, we should do this with people. Believe the best in them and call those things which be not as though they are. And call people things, believe in them. Instead of saying all the negative things they are all the time, we should love them and call them who God sees them as. And that's what he's doing here. He's, you know, I mean, this whole church, they had crazy stuff happening. They were doing crazy stuff. They had let the world totally infiltrate this church in all areas of their life, in their family, in their relationships. It was horrible. But he's saying, listen, you are saints. You are sanctified. Begin to rise up and live like God has called you. Begin to live worthy of that calling. And so then he goes on to say, listen, these gifts are so important. All these gifts are important. All of the parts of the body, all of the members of the body are critical to the, this body functioning well and functioning right. No place is smaller. The unseen places are not less significant than the seen places. The people who work in the children's ministry who no one ever sees what they're doing and are teaching your children day in and day out. They are the unseen parts of this church. How important are they to you? Oh, just as important. You think about some of these people you never even know that are working behind the scenes. See, they're not doing it for their own glory. They're doing it for God's glory. And they're doing it not to please man, but to please God. And this is what Paul is correcting. 
He's really dealing with the heart issues. He's dealing with the issues of the heart that say, well, because I'm not seen, because I'm a foot, I'm not important. You know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, there's always been temptation in ministry to not think that what you do is making a difference. That thinking, you know, you, you, you come across, you come up against uh, just think the enemy and his lies. And there's a temptation to think, well, I'm just a pinky. I don't matter. Or I'm not valuable. And I remember struggling with this at one point and saying, Lord, what is my part in the body? Is it what I say really going to help anyone? Is this, I really believe you call me to a teaching ministry, but Lord, is it going to be as good or as right or as valuable or as important or help anybody? Because that's really what you want to do in ministry. You want to be a help. You want to be a blessing. And I remember one day I was standing and I, I was actually speaking, trying to do something else and trying to talk. And I heard him talking to me at the same time while I was speaking. And that's a funny time to talk, right? But I knew exactly what he was saying to me. And he said to me, Sarah, if you don't do your part, the rest of the body will suffer. And I thought, well, am I that important to you, God? Is my part that important? And what most people don't realize is that they have convinced themselves and the enemies convinced them that they are not important, that they are just a foot, that they are a hidden organ or they are a hidden part and they are not seen, they are not important, they're not out front, they're not, they're not the one out there you know, being seen and heard and so they're just not a valuable part. But see, even if a pinky doesn't show up, or a foot doesn't show up, or an ear doesn't show up. See, my ears are hidden behind my hair. Are they important to me? No, they're not a throwaway part. And even if that part, any of those parts don't show up because they have been convinced in their own heart that they are not valuable enough, the whole body suffers. And so you have to think about this. Your part is so important and should be That if you're not there in the place that God has set you, someone else will not be edified, will not be built up, and will not be blessed. So think about it. How important is your part in the body of Christ? It is extremely important. And to come to find out that you are important will change you for the rest of your life. I think about 1 Corinthians chapter 6 where it talks about how you are bought with a price. Not with silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. And then it says, and when you realize this, that you were bought with a prize, you will in turn glorify God with your body, which is the temple of the Holy Ghost, the sanctuary of the Holy Ghost. When you get a revelation of how important, valuable, strategic, what part you are in the body, you will begin to glorify God more. Your ministry will become more effective and you will become greater in the kingdom of God. What does that mean to be greater? It means to be given more responsibility. It's not better, it's greater in responsibility. Not better in function, but greater in responsibility. And as powerful, as important it is for us to find our place in the body, we wanna go about it the right way. You know, there's two ways to the top. Do anybody know what those are? There's love. There's a way of love and a road of love. And then there's the way of selfish ambition. I will drive. I will push through. I will press until I get in the place I want to be, until I get to where the position I want to be. But God's way is the way of love. And he's saying this in 1 Corinthians um, 12, 31, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Desire them. This is how important they are. This is how powerful they are in the body of Christ. And yet, I show you a more excellent way. 
And I love to think about this here, what he's saying. Loving the body, your love for the body is greater than your desire to be seen, should be greater. Our love for the body should be greater than our desire to even use our gifts. Because see, when we're using our gifts, we'll realize that they were put in us to love. They were given to us to love the body of Christ. And then it goes on to talk about um, the, the greatest gifts, the most important place. Now, I just have this in my heart that every one of us in this church, we should be desiring spiritual gifts. We should be desiring to fulfill our role in the kingdom. But even more than that, we should be laying a foundation of love in this church. That even the carpet is saturated with the love of God. That the air, the very air you breathe, those are all natural things. But if you think about it, we have in the beginning of this church, the Lord told us this was supposed to be a place of faith and a place of love. And, you know, you can't have one without the other. And when we walk into this place, what we want is for people to be overcome, overwhelmed with the love of God, with his kind of hospitality, with his kind of sweetness. It's a sweet, sweet, sweetness. It's a kind of love. It's the agape love, really. And it's not a human love. I want to read to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Here's the more excellent way. Uh, loving, lo love for his body is the more excellent way. It says this, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. It's very possible to do life without living in love. To do every day without the love of God at work. This is going to tell us how to do it and how not to do it. Now, this word brass is actually, if you read it in other translations, you'll see it's the picture of a gong. Anybody know what a gong is? Okay, so a gong used traditionally was always hit to signal the beginning of a performance, a play, or magic show. Okay, that's a gong. Now you think about what are all those things? They are a show. They are a performance. And it's, uh, it's this picture of something drawing all the attention to itself. So we have two ways at the top here, right? Selfishness or the way of love. And it's this picture of Look at me, look at me, do you hear me? Pay attention to me, come and watch me perform. See me, notice me, look at me. And then it says, or a clanging cymbal. Same thing, clanging, hitting those cymbals. Hey, you know what, we're gonna have a little illustration for you. Jordan and Colin, can y'all come out? We're gonna show you a little bit. Are they here still, did they leave? Oh, there they are. Oh, oh, there they are. Okay. We're going to do just a little demonstration for you. And I like to think about this because it's such a powerful picture. Love has a sound. And if you keep reading in 1 Corinthians 13, you'll see that love is patient. It's kind. You know, you see it very clearly. Really, I wanted to focus on the parts to talk about it's not self-seeking. And it has a sound. And also selfishness has a sound. So if you think about this in terms, you know, worship, real worship is not the same as a performance. A performance receives glory of men. And worship gives glory to God. A, per a performer receives glory from men. But a worshiper gives glory to God. And these are, this is an, the, the picture and the idea of giving and taking. And you have to ask yourself sometimes, am I a giver or, or am I a taker? 
And when we come into this place, this is a house of worship. It is not a performance. It is not, let me show you something every day when I get up on stage. But it is a body of believers who are called to come together, turn all their attention back to Jesus, and give unto him the glory that is due to his name. In the performance, in a performance, one takes the glory. But in worship, one gives all the glory. And I I love to think about how worship, all the eyes should be on Jesus. Now, oftentimes they're not. We can tell you when we're up on stage, we look out, people are kind of looking at us, well, what's coming next? And, you know, that's just the nature of, that's just the natural man. What's coming next? What do we do next? Maybe a little uncomfortable first time. But really, when we all gather in here together, our eyes should be on Jesus, not on any person. When we talk about what's happening in Legacy Church, we should not be talking about one particular person or one thing or all. We should be talking about the glory of God. We should talk about his presence and how he fills up the atmosphere. We should talk about his goodness and all the revelation that he's giving us. We should talk about him, him, him. We should draw men unto him. And uh, I just thought about this, but can we just take a moment and do two separate, show you, I'm going to show you what love sounds like, and I want to show you what selfishness sounds like, okay? So we're going to just do a little demonstration of love. And would everybody in this whole room, would you just close your eyes? And I want you to just worship with us as we sing this song. And we're going to have all eyes, even though they're closed, they're going to be on Jesus. Just look at him, focus on him, and let's sing to him. Love is a sweet sound. Thank you. I love you, Lord. And I sound of unity that's not one person trying to do their own thing making their own sound selfish sound no that's many members but yet all in unity all one all after the same thing all in agreement now you may say well I don't agree with every single person in this room Well, what we're talking about are the things that matter. Are you in agreement that love is the foundation of this house? Are you in agreement that this place has a spirit of faith and a spirit of joy about it? Are you in agreement that you will lay down your life for your friend here? Are you in agreement that this is a house that has a spirit of hospitality, that anyone is welcome here and that can come into this place and experience the very presence and the love of God? Well, we're in agreement about that. I want to show you what a selfish sound is and then what happens when we make a selfish sound. Are you ready? Okay, we're going to sing this again. Everybody keep their eyes open this time. And I just want to show you where where your attention goes to, okay? Ready? 
Okay, okay, okay. Cut it out. So everybody in this whole room, I watched your faces. You all slowly turned to the clanging selfish symbol. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. You're, you're... Named Colin. No, I'm just playing. Um, everybody's attention turned to one place. And that's not how it should be when we're all walking in love, when we're all building up the body. Uh, many members, one unified, harmonious sound. Love sounds like worship. Love sounds like a focused attention on one, the one we should be loving and adoring. A selfish sound, man, it gets your eyes over on people, over on strife, over on this selfish ambition, this trying to make my way to the top. But there's two ways to the top, and it's either love, genuine love for the body, or it's a self-centered life. I like to call it the selfie life. The whole world revolves around me. But it shouldn't. Okay, thank you guys. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> Y'all give him a hand. <laughs> so music, you know, let's ask ourselves every day of our lives. Are we making music or are we making noise? And with our love walk with the love of God that's been shed abroad in our hearts. You know, that scripture actually says it's been poured out in our hearts. It's filled up the very nature, our very whole spirit, the love of God has been poured out into. And we have the God kind of love. It's not human love. It's not that natural, romantic love and, and this brotherly love. It is it is the God kind of love. And that's been poured out and shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so I want to read to you one more passage. Well, you know what? We could just read a little bit more about love here. Let's just finish this. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and knowledge. And though I even have faith so that I could remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. See, it doesn't matter if people say you're something, if God says you're nothing without love. It doesn't matter if people say you're something. It doesn't matter. People are fickle. One day they love you. One day they're talking bad about you. But the love of God, it is constant. Every moment of every day, unfailing, unwavering, stable in every situation. When people hurt you, when they come against you, when they speak all manner of falseness against you and lies, the love of God can even rise up in your heart and just be aggressive toward them. It can go after them in love. That is the precious love of God, it is not natural. It is not human. And you can't rely on that. You can only rely on agape. It says this, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. What is this saying? You could give all day long and it not bring you a harvest because there's no love in it. You could give all day long and still have nothing because of no love. It says this, uh, love suffers long, it's kind, it does not envy, it does not parade itself. There's another selfish, um, look at me, look at me, Go parade going down the street. Everybody turns their attention to that thing happening in that place. It's not about the whole anymore. It's about love parading its Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It's not easily provoked. This word can mean irritated. Not easily irritated with another. And also it can mean not easily volatile. It has a peace about it. It has a sweetness about it. And it thinks no evil, 
does not rejoice in sin, but rejoices in the truth, sees people in the light of the word of God. Not sees people only at what they do and how they act or what they say. Hey, you know what? We should just have this thing about us where we just let it go. We just let it go. I always told my, little, my kids when they were little, hey, just let it go. And they always would do this. Do you remember that? Probably don't. Let it go. And we should be easy to let things go. Not hold on to stuff, not hold on to a grudge. We should not still be thinking about something that happened three, four, five years ago. We should forgive and love and let it go. And it says, see, um, uh, bears all things. You know what that means? It means that you're, it's really the concept of love covers a multitude of sins. That we don't disclose everyone's problems all the time. This is not a gossiping church. So if that's your thing, it's really not welcome here. (laughs) I'm telling you, the way we do things here, this place is full of love. We cover people's uh, sins. We don't announce when people mess up. We don't talk about all their shortcomings we don't talk about all their problems. We don't gossip. We don't, we don't get in over into that. We love our brethren. We love our brothers and our sisters. And it says this, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. You know, if you're believing the word about some, someone else, it's hard to not walk in love with them. If you'll believe God, if you'll find a scripture and stand on it for that person, you'll start saying about that person what God says about them and stop saying about them everything they've done wrong for all the years you've known them. No, let's walk in love with each other. That's what, you know, that's the kind of place you want to be a part of. I have a staff and we have cultivated such an atmosphere of love. We have, we have a ton of women on our staff. We don't have one ounce of drama no drama. We're the no drama llamas. Okay. That's what we say to the, all the third grade girls too. Jesse comes home from school. We're talking about what's happening at school. We are the no drama llamas. Okay. And you know what? We have cultivated that atmosphere on our whole team. We don't have drama. We don't talk bad about one another to each other. We build each other up. We cook for each other. We encourage each other. If we see something, you know, you're, you're going to experience stuff with people. What do you do instead of talk bad about someone? You pray for them. You pray for them. You hold them up before God and you say, Father, I know this is not what you've called them to do, called them to be. I see them in the light of your word. And I will love them. And right now I surround them with love and faith. And I say they will get it in the name of Jesus. I believe the best about them. I love them. I treasure them. They are a part of this body. And I will love your body. Loving the body is a more excellent way. Turn with me to Ephesians. And I'm going to look at this really quick. This is chapter 4. And I love this. I'm going to read this to you in the Amplified too. Anybody else love the Amplified? It's all the women in here. We love lots of words, right? Okay. We love the Amplified. And this is, I'm going to read this to you guys. Bear with us. It's going to be good. Um, And it says this in verse one. So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That is to live a life that exhibits godly character moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior. What is that maturity? This greatest sign of maturity is love. And it says this, um, a life that expresses gratitude for God and for your salvation. That's another indicator of spiritual maturity, a thankful person. With all humility, forsaking self-righteousness. And gentleness, we know that self-righteousness is always, it always, you being right about everything. Do you know sometimes we should just yield over and be like, okay, have your way. Just do what you want to do. We should just let people do and be sometimes and love them enough. Do you know sometimes we're at home and Jeremy will say, let's not do that. Or he'll say, let's do this. And I had another plan. 
But because I love him and I love love and I love the peace of God, I just say, okay, sure, let's do it. And guess what? We don't even, he doesn't even know half the time when I do that because it's just maintaining love in the atmosphere. Now, usually we always want to do the same thing. We're in agreement, but sometimes it's just easier and it's better to just say, you know what? Let's just do it your way. I don't have to always be right. I don't always have to do it. Would you rather be right or righteous? That's one thing I've heard him say before. It's so good. And gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the spirit. That's unity of the spirit. That's harmony. That's making music together. The oneness of the spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. I just want to say this real quick. What if every single one of us that say Legacy Church is our church, call this our church, what if we all made a decision that we were going to show up and be faithful to church for a whole month? And all of us committed to the Lord that we were going to show up and play our part in the body for a whole month. Whatever service team we're on, if it was just coming and saying, encouraging another person that was sitting by us, putting some money in their wallet, in their pocket. I mean, not their wallet. They're probably not going to have their wallet out waiting for you to, but put some money in their pocket. That was a weird, um, Put some money in their pocket. Encourage them. Give them a word. Be ready when you come to church for, with a word for somebody. You've been praying for your brothers and sisters all week long. You'll have a word for somebody. You'll have had somebody else to pray for than your, just your own needs. You'll have had somebody else to lift up and to have your mind on instead of just yourself. So think about it. How do you come to church? Are you coming to make some music? Or are you coming to make some noise? They both have a different sound. And so it says this. Make every effort to keep oneness in the spirit, in the bond of peace. Man, if you have had strife between you and someone else, or something has come up with us, it, it's, this, it, it's endeavoring is the word here used in the New King James Version. And it means to, to make every aim. It means make haste to make it right. Go to that person, get it right. Get all that junk out of your mind in your life. If you keep carrying it around, it will be like a burden on your shoulder. You'll be carrying around a backpack of bricks, burden of bitterness, a backpack of bitterness. No good. Who wants to live with that? Get that out of your life. Get the, throw that, throw that on the side of the road and start running your race. You want to do all God's called you to the body of to the body of Christ and in the body of Christ. And get rid of that backpack of bricks, bitterness, unforgiveness, all that junk. Go to the person. Make haste. Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. There is one body of believers and one Spirit, just as you are called in one hope. When called, this is all oneness, unity. Oh, it's, it's a bond. You know, it's not easy to tear apart something that's been tethered together. Something that uh, hearts that have been woven together by the hand of God, people who have come into a family, it's not easy to just run and jump. When you have been tethered together, there's a bond in the body of believers. It says this, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of us all. Uh, says this, working and living in all, Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was giving to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in proportion of the measure of Christ's rich, abundant gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he bestowed gifts on men. Are you thankful for Jesus? That he loved us enough to give us gifts 
and to give us uh, people, he goes on to say, the fivefold ministry. And um, I want to read back in the New King, King James now, King James Version. It says, some he gave, in verse 11, apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Now, these are your your um, pulpit gifts for the equipping of the saints and for the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith why do we even have a church family so that we can grow up together in love so that we can begin to come into agreement with another, not just uh, by ourselves, on our own, an island to ourselves. We were created for bond. We were created for communion and fellowship. We were created to have a force greater than just what we can do on our own. And as Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, nine, uh, verses 19 and 20, if any two of you agree on touching anything, unity, oneness, it's agreement. And this is why Satan fights us so hard with divisions and strife and with uh, this self-promotion and this selfish ambition is because he never wants anyone to come together into a close-knit, tethered-together, knit-together bond. Is he knows that when we do, there is a mighty power available to us as a body. Many members, one body, and so much power. And so what happens is if we would come together, two or more, gather together in his name, that's an agreement together. There's nothing that can stop it. Nothing that can stop that mighty force when we build a foundation of the love of God. Loving the body. Mm, thank you, Lord. So, so good. And then this, I'll read this to you. It says, Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children. This is telling us it is time for us to grow up. It is time for us to stop walking in darkness and to stop living according to this selfish nature, selfish ambition, but to start loving each other as Christ has loved us. And it says this, it says, we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head. He's the head. Christ, from whom the whole body joined and fit knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. You share with me in this thing. I share with you. We have communion together. We have fellowship all around Jesus and how awesome he is and his presence and his word according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth to the body for the edifying of itself in love. Growing up in love. I need to turn to one more passage of scripture with me, and this is John chapter 13. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Life becomes so rich when we start to lay down our selfish ambition, when we start to stop going after what we just desire and want all the time and start to get our heart and our mind on the body. And then God can still give us everything good we've ever dreamed of. See, love is the key. 
Love is the key that makes all the gifts work. It's the key to everybody functioning in all their places and all their positions. It's the key to living a joy-filled life. It's the spirit-filled life. You know, this passage of scripture, as I studied, I kept hearing the Lord say to me, go to this, read this passage, read it, read it. And I just kept not reading it, and I don't know why. And finally, I laid down last night and I read this and it just, it hit me what Jesus was showing us in this passage. And, and this is, um, everybody knows it. Jesus washes the disciples' feet uh, such an honorable act that he did he, the, here. And it says this in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, he rose up from supper and he laid aside his garments. This is just a beautiful picture of him taking off his power and his position and just laying it aside, laying aside that desire. He's, he, it's, it's this no more desire to be seen of man, but instead to just do the right thing, to serve the people he loves. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet. Is that the head looking at the feet? The head valuing the feet. The head loving the lowest part and saying, you may not think these are worth it, but they are. And to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then came Simon Peter. Oh, don't you love Peter? Always saying something good. Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and he said to him, what I am doing, you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter still proceeds to say something interesting. He says, you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him. If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. What is he saying? If I, if you don't let me do this, I'm trying to demonstrate to you what self-sacrifice looks like. I'm demonstrating to you between, I'm, I'm, I'm distinguishing here between what is selfish and what is love. I'm showing you the difference between service, real service and real love, and selfish ambition. I'm going to wash your feet. And if you don't let me do it, you can't understand. You can't have a part in this body like I want you to play your part now don't you know Peter for the rest of his life is going to remember Jesus taking off his robe, laying it over there and bowing down on his knees, his Lord, his master, the one who didn't deserve any of it. And Jesus is going to get on it. Peter's never going to forget that. How he laid down his life for his friend. How he got on his knees and how he began to wash the dirtiest part of him. But Instead, in his act of service, made that part valuable. And in that moment, he says, you won't have any communion or fellowship with me. You won't have any part with me. You won't share with me in all the things I want to do in the body. If you don't let me do this for you, this is how important my service is to you. And this is how important your service is to someone else. And then Simon Peter, he said to him, Lord, not feet only, but also my hands and my head. He got it. All the parts of me, every bit of me, Lord, I want every part of you. And I want you to have every part of me. I want us to share together in this body. And if, if you say we need to do this, we're going to do this. And I want it every part. And then he says this. 
Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet or valued that part, you also ought to wash one another's feet and value that part. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Blessed are you if you serve selflessly in the kingdom of God. Blessed are you if you love your brother. Blessed are you if you lay down your life. And um, I'll just read these, this to you too. It says, Matthew twenty twenty five. Jesus said to them, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise great authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you, and it shall not be in Legacy Church. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Can we go ahead and stand up? I just wanted to encourage you this morning to know how valuable you are to the body and to know that you are not an unseen piece and you are not an invaluable piece. And if you don't do your part, the the rest of the body does suffer. And if you won't do your part, if you refuse to do it, God will call someone else to do it. And they will start to fulfill a role and he will help and he will do his amazing job of helping the saints and equipping the saints. But I wanna encourage you this morning, I don't care if you don't realize it yet or not, I want you to know that you are precious in his sight, that you are bought with a price, that you are an intricate part of this body here at Legacy Church and in the body of Christ as a whole. And as important as that is, it is as important as it is for us to find our place, the most excellent way is our love for the body. For us to begin to love each other more than we love our own position, more than we love power, more than we want to place with leaders or any of those things. We can't buy our way. We can't push our way to the top. There's only two ways to the top. And it's either selfishness or it's the love of God at work in us for each other. God promote. He gives promotion. And I just want to tell you in here that this place, this foundation that we are building, we're building a road of love here, a foundation of love. And in the spirit, it is like a road. It is, it is just um, this beautiful path. I was thinking about it. You know, we always drive up to Castle Rock and um, go to Castle Rock and to Denver sometimes. And Jeremy will say, you know, our house is right on the other side of that mountain. And you know, we could, if we could just drive a road or build a road between Just right in that mountain, we could drive straight from our house all the way to Monument, Castle Rock. We'd be so quick. Well, when it talks about how love is the more excellent way, that word way actually is the Greek word road. And it's saying here that we should build roads of love. We should have a foundation and a pavement. We could, we can, it's not just for us in our, see, you know, they never built a road there because it would just benefit me and Jeremy. It's not gonna benefit the whole city of Colorado Springs. No, but we're looking to be a blessing to the body, to benefit the body as a whole, that our actions would not just be making a bunch of noise, but we would start to make music together. We would start to make harmony together to be not just many members, but one body. And we would be in unity together, unity, loving each other. So I wanna encourage you, like, Can you lay down your life for your brothers and sisters? 
Can you lay down your life for a friend? Can you take off all that selfish ambition, those desires to be great in the kingdom and just simply love each other? I'm telling you, God will see it. He will reward it. And it's not, ble- it's not bad to want a great place in the kingdom of God. It's not bad to want great responsibility. God wants to give us all more and more responsibility. But all we should just begin to enter in to the fullness of love. And we can grow up and we can grow up into the head who fills us all up. And we can stand at the end of our life having known that we did everything. We did our part in the body of Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.